Welcome to the Freedom Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are investing in your relationship with the Lord by listening to this message. Check out our YouTube channel for a complete log of all of our sermons. If you would like to know more about FC, visit our website at www.freedomfamily.us. God bless and remember that the best is yet to come. everybody how are you good to see you guys I am so glad to be back today uh, after different difficulties I've had I am back in the house and if I've never met you I'd love to meet you after this service I want to say welcome to all of you here even if it's your first time we call you VIP because you're a very important person because we love you and most of all our great God loves you welcome to those of you that are online I want to say to those of you that are online hey we have plenty of room here hope and pray if you live in our vicinity you will come and check us out in person we would love to have you so today uh, As I kick off this brand new series called Four, I began with a story uh, that happened some years ago. Uh, Back when, how many of you are are familiar with the movement that took place called Promise Keepers? Raise your hand. Yes, 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 yes. So uh, we used to go to all these Promise Keepers events. And they had one one time at Neyland Stadium where God resides, you know, because our blood runs orange, people that have common sense. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I love all my other SEC uh, teens. But anyway, I'm a UT fan. But anyway, they had, a, they had a, uh, an event there in Neyland Stadium. It was pretty cool. And we went there. And I'll never forget, it was a bunch of us guys there. And every time there was a Promise Keepers event, there were always protesters, always. I mean, it just never failed. Protesters were everywhere. So we found ourselves in a conversation with the protesters. And so we're just trying to do what we can do to show the love of Jesus. Don't argue, don't debate, and all those kind of things. So it ended up, this one particular guy, he just kept going on and on and on about what he was against and what he was against and, and, uh, and what he wanted to stand against. And finally, my friend Toby finally looked at the guy and he said, you know what? He says, you won't stand against something? That guy says, yes, I do. He said, go down there and stand next to that oak tree. <laughs> he said, go down there and stand next to that oak tree. And I never, I never get Toby doing that. He was a card. He would do that kind of stuff. But today and over the next few weeks, I want to talk about four. Four. Today in particular, we're going to talk about who we're for. And we're not just starting a, just a simple series. This is a movement that started when we started the church, those of you that didn't know, my wife and I, God led us to start this church, and we launched this church on March 3rd, 2002, which they're about to, we're about to celebrate. Don't, you don't want to miss this, and they're not telling me much about it, but on February, Sunday, February 27th, we're going to celebrate 20 years of ministry at Freedom Church, and I'm excited about that. So thank God for that. I hope you'll be here. Invite people. I'd love for you to be a part of that. Thank God for that. But anyway, uh, we wanted to start a church, and God put it on my heart to start a church where that unchurched and dechurched people would want to be a part of. Not only people that are believers, churches made for believers to worship God, but we wanted people that, that were far from God 
to want to be a part of it as well. And so that's why we started Freedom Church. And so from the time that we started it on the first Sunday on March 3rd, 2002, we had 159 people there. And we began to grow. And as we met there in Hendersonville High School Auditorium, uh, began to look for land. God blessed us with this 15 plus acres of land here in 2004. Then we built a, our first uh, phase building over here. And since then, we're in our third phase here. And I want to say that when we actually built the first building over, we wanted it all to go to the kids. So we built the first phase. We built a new kids wing over there. And then we outgrew that. And then we built this to give all of that over there to the kids. How many of you love our kids? Let's give God praise that we get to invest Jesus in our kids, right? So, um, so we, we have, I want to say thank you for those of you that have been here for a while and been a part of this, that you invested your resources into it, that we can have these, these, uh, this appealing setting that we have and a wonderful campus that we have here. Uh, but we wanted to have an, an opportunity where that when we shared uh, the, the gospel, that is the, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the good news through him, we want it to, to, to be engaging communication. And when I say engaging, I want you to be, able to, re, to be able to know that when I'm sharing with you, I want to be real with you, I want to be relevant with you, and I want to be relational with you about life because life is a series of, of, of events and problems and things like that and how do we get through it with our relationship with God. But also we wanted it to be a real relational and relevant for our kids, for our students, and for uh, all of those. We just want it to be helpful content. But here's the thing about it. We just don't want you to receive information. What we're talking about through the gospel of Jesus Christ is for transformation. We want your lives to be transformed. And so here's the challenge. Look at the person next to you and say, here's the challenge. So what are you talking about? Our church was started in an era of time that it was like the field of dreams. You built it, people would come. I mean, we would send out mailers, or we would say we're going to do this particular sermon series, or we'd say we're going to drop eggs out of a helicopter, or we'd say we're going to have a petting zoo, and people would just come out in droves. They still do to some extent, but they don't like they used to. Have you ever wondered why? Well, I can tell you, society doesn't see the church as the premier place for answers as it once did. From God's perspective. See, our world has changed since the internet come about. People want an answer to something, what do they do? They Google it, right? Now, you can get all kinds of information, but because you go and you get information, that doesn't mean you're receiving transformation. Are you with me? Say yes. But also, the world has changed, especially since the pandemic. We are now a church, and we were even before the pandemic, but a lot of churches, and especially ours and many others, we are 100% in person. We're also 100% online, and we embrace both. But it boils down to who we're for. And so I want us to take a look at Proverbs in chapter 29 and verse 18. And I love how it reads from the Passion Translation. Okay, look what it says. It says, when there is no clear prophetic vision, people quickly wander astray. Now, when you look at other versions, and I think in the New King James, and I think the NIV, it talks about how that when people uh, do this, they uh, basically, uh, when they do this, they, they fall away, they, they die away, they get away. And what it is, they're getting away from the vision that God given. People are perishing from the vision that God wants them to have. And it's very true. People wander away when they're not adhering to the prophetic vision. People begin to where they get, they can't focus. And without a vision, people lack direction. And without direction, people lack goals. And when people don't have a goal and they aim at it, they're going to hit it every time because there's nothing there. So I don't know about you, but when I come into the new year, and it's been an interesting new year with me, with things that's gone on with surgeries and things like that. But each new year I go into, and I think if you would be honest, you would tell me this too. I always think about what does this year hold and what does it look like for me personally? What does it look like for me professionally? What does it look like for me relationally? What does it look like for me physically? What does it look like for me most of all spiritually? 
And so when you look at your life, all of our lives are multifaceted, and it calls for a multifaceted vision. And what I mean by that is you need to look at God as the center of everything, and God should be the center of your life that your family life comes from it, your professional life comes from it, your physical life comes from God, your relational life comes from God, your hobbies and your business and church family, all that stems from a relationship with God. And God has given a vision for our church family at Freedom Church. And only together can we bring it to reality. And that's where today I'm here to challenge you about who we are and what we're about. It's about staying with the why. That's what it's all about. And you say, what do you mean? Well, some years ago, there was a famous TED Talk that Simon Sinek did, and he talked about start with a why. Well, I'm reframing it a little bit, and not only we're talking about the start with the why, but I want us to talk about how that we are going to stay with the why. Here's what's important to understand, okay? I'm going to draw you something out here so you can understand this, okay? A lot of organizations and a lot of businesses and churches should be this way. You start with the why, but it's about staying with the why. So they think about uh, the how, okay? Or they think about what, you know? And, but, it, but they may have began with why they were doing what they were doing. But here becomes the issue. The how and the what, if you're not careful, you'll begin in your organization or church or your business or as a person, you'll begin to work from the outside in to the why. And that's not what we're to do. If you're a business or you're an entrepreneur, you should understand it always, everything is to be stemmed from why you're doing what you're doing, not just about the what and the how. You work from the why out here because what is it for us? It's not just the why, but it's the who. See? When you look at what we do as a church, it's about who. So we start with the why, but we want to stay with the why. And in this day and time and how culture has quickly shifted and things are changing and a pandemic is soaring and people's businesses are going under and people's jobs are being lost and people's lives are being lost as well, we got to go back to what we do as a church as we, as we navigate through it. We always got to stay with the why and the why is about the who. So we always stay behind the why. When we go out and look at what and how we do church, those things can change. But your why never changes. There was something said, and I read it years ago, so I can't give credit for who it is. They said, methods are many, principles are few, methods always change, but principles never do. And so that's what it should be as a business. That's what it should be as an organization. That's what it should be even us as a church. Now think about this, starting with the why is not the hard part. For us as a church, staying with the why is the hard part. That's where it's tough in that. So if we don't stay with a why, we're going to overlook who we are. If you follow me, say yes. The main thing is keeping the main thing the main thing. And my responsibility is to be able to help us as a church that we don't drift from the why. That I help you and I, we stay together on the main thing, keeping the vision red hot. So I want to ask this question. How many of you here can recite what Freedom Church's existence for? Yell it out to me. Reach people to know God. They didn't put it up there yet, so you cheat, did it? Now they're doing it. Yeah. But yeah, Freedom Church exists to reach people to know God. That has been our heartbeat from the existence and the onset and the launch and the birth of our church. This isn't the field of dreams. It's just the day of building the field of dreams and building to come is over with. And I want you to understand when you think about Freedom Church exists to reach people to know God, the word reach is not a noun. It is a verb. And it's been my heart from the start. When you look at the Great Commission in Matthew 28, the, the words of Jesus, that was the most important thing he would say at the end of his earthly life when he was about to go back to heaven. Whenever someone's life is about to end, they say important things. And he's told us to go and to teach and to baptize. Those are the three participles of the Great Commission. So it means that when you and I understand that Freedom Church is to reach people to know God, when you go out those doors, what's on your heart and what's on your mind? Is the church become a social club to you? 
Has the church become, you know, that was a good word, but I'm going to go back out and live my life the way I want to. Or have you become kingdom-minded that we are for a whole lot of people out there that need Jesus? We're for a whole lot of people out there that need salvation in Jesus Christ. We're for a whole lot of people out there that are hurting and they're broken and they're addicts and they need the loving power of Jesus Christ in their life. That's something we've got to own and we've got to do it. We've got to go out on that mission field and think of it as a mission every time we vacate these beautiful premises. Our high five values is everyone reaching. Listen, if you're here or you're online and you don't know Jesus, you keep reaching up until you find him in your heart. But when you finally find him in your heart and your name is in his book and you've been born again, then you reach out and tell other people about the wonderful gift that you've been given through Jesus Christ. It's like one beggar telling another beggar where to get a piece of bread. Then everyone growing. We want you to grow to become like Jesus. I don't need to be like me. I need to be like Jesus. You don't need to be like you. You need to be like Jesus. That's where he leads us in the Holy Spirit. And then everyone's serving. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. I challenge you, if you're not serving somewhere and you call this church home, sign up today to serve because none of us are better than Jesus. He gave his life. What are you giving? Also, it's everyone giving. We can't outgive God. Everything that I ever have in resources is his. So I give him back tithes and offerings. So that we can continue reaching this world for Christ and the help of the resources. But also everyone connecting. If you don't build relationships here with somebody, pretty soon you're going to feel like an island and that you're alone and you're going to go somewhere else. That's why it's so important to understand that we're doing group, group leader signups today. Be sure you sign up if you'd like to lead a group. We'd love to be able to help you to be able to lead a group. You don't, have to be a, you don't have to be a scholar of the word. You just got to be a willing participant to say, hey, I want to get together with a bunch of people and I want to talk about the word of God and the word of God about Jesus. That's what it takes. So that's our high five values. So to do that, we got to stay on our why. So we have to implement the most important leadership principles that we could ever apply in our lives. It's great for a business. It's great for a nonprofit. It's great for government. It's great for an education, educators and all those kind of things. And it would be this to understand it's simple, but it's powerful. Leaders are repeaters. Man, here the thing about it is I am going to be repeating this message and repeating this message. And when I get sick of saying it, hopefully by that time you're going to get it and understand what we're talking about here. It's very, very, very important to stay on the main thing and keep the main thing the main thing. Reaching people to know God. Listen, it takes a vision and spraying that vision in order for the why about the who to be able to stick. It, it takes that. So how many here are parents of kids in your home right now? How many times have you said so many times, kids, clean your room up? How many of you said that? Clean your room up. And finally, you just keep saying it till you're sick of it. And how many times am I going to have to tell you this? How many of you said that? How many times am I going to tell you this? How many wives do we have here of husbands? Yes, okay. How many times you told your husband, pick your underwear up off the floor. Don't throw them against the wall and let them stick. I don't want to peel them off. How many times have I got to tell you this? You know what I'm saying? Or how many times you got to tell somebody that works for you about something that you need to be able to do, whatever that may be. Whether you're a supervisor, you're an employer, you're a teacher, or a friend, you might wonder, how often do I need to repeat this? I'll never forget one time, a friend of mine, we grew up together. We went in the living room to eat. And as we went in the living room to eat, I got done with a plate and I set it on the coffee table. I got up and I walked out of the room. He said, hey. He said, take your plate in there and put it in the sink. I said, you do it. He took his fork and he threw his fork at me and it stuck in my arm. And it was dangling. And it was just such a shock. We, I thought, this hurts, but it's funny. And we died laughing because the fork was hanging out of my arm. So I never again did I ever forget to go in there and get my plate and carry it to the sink. Because the why stuck literally with me. You follow what I'm saying? And that's what I want to do. I want the why to stick with each of you. It's a message that's worth repeating. It's a message that's worth implementing. The point is, it's important to stay on the why. But it's also important to understand we've got to shrink the gap. To help us stay on the why, I want us to, to remind us of, of a question. What do we want to be known for? That's a great question. It's any organization, if you're a business person, a great question you might even ask your team. It's a great question you might ask your customers so that you're hoping what they're experiencing is what you want them to be able to experience. Follow me? Say yes. It's a great question for a school or for an individual or a church. What do we want to be known for? 
What do we want to be known for? And to help answer that question, a lot of times you get outside perspectives from people, from businesses and organizations and churches. What are we currently known for? So let's look at it as a church in a general sense. What is the church known for? Now, I can tell you right now, churches outside and across predominantly, they're known for what they're against. Are you with me? Say yes. But they're not necessarily known for what they're for. Many people are more familiar with what the church is against rather than what the church is for. It's true. And why is that? Why is it people don't flood the churches? Why is it that we have empty seats and all churches do? Boils down to this. Church isn't for them because church isn't for them. Do you follow what I'm saying? They don't think the church cares about them. There's this great divide between it. An example of a guy on the couch. And they're going to throw a pickup. This is just a great example to understand that there are people today that are home on their couches. They've got their remote. They don't care a thing about coming to a church because church isn't for them because church isn't for them. That's what that they think. So, and, and, and that's what we want to do is to be able to shrink the gap. Church isn't even on a radar screen. There's no option for them on Sunday. It's not about church attendance, but it's about you and I fulfilling the calling of our church to reach people to know God. So our role is to shrink the gap from where this guy is hanging out on his couch that we can say, we love you and we are for you. We're for the men of this county, the women, the couples, the singles, the children, the students, everyone. So how do we do this? The early church had the same discussion in the word of God. I challenge you this week to read it in its entirety. And I begin with, a, it's, it's Acts chapter 15. Technically, it is the first business meeting in the Bible. But I want to begin by just reading this verse. If you read verses 1 through 18 this week, you'll get the full gist of it. But it says, while Barnabas, uh, while Barnabas and Paul were at Antioch of Syria, some men from Judea arrived and began to teach the believers. Unless you are circumcised as required by the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. So the question is, should Gentiles obey the law of Moses in order to be saved and have salvation in Christ? Here's what I will tell you. This was a critical time in the history of the early church, and it had to be handled correctly. It goes on to say in verse 5 here, it says, But then some of the believers who belonged to the sect of the Pharisees stood up and insisted the Gentile converts must be circumcised and required to follow the law of Moses. Why was this such a big deal? Because there was this great success with the Gentile churches. But in Jerusalem, the Jerusalem church was being led by these converted Pharisees here. And so they preferred to push about a legalistic religion upon the Gentile people that were being saved rather than a faith that is based on just faith alone in Christ. So if you're not careful, there's a little Pharisee in all of us. You say, what do you mean, Pastor? We mistake and can mistake obeying God by upholding certain traditions. If we do it twice, it's a tradition, right? You follow me? We seem to think that obeying God is a certain kind of structure. We think that obeying God is a certain kind of legal requirement. We need to make sure the gospel, listen to me closely, we need to make sure the gospel brings freedom and life, not some kind of rigid rule for those that we are trying to reach. We want people to be able to be a part of our church family, not because they come in here and they're perfect, because if they come in here and perfect, I don't want them to join. They're going to mess things up. There's nobody perfect in this auditorium. There's nobody perfect as a part of any church. This is a hospital for sinners. This is not a hotel for saints that thinks they've got life all together. We're either coming out of a problem or in a problem or a problem's coming into our life. That's life, whether you're a Christian or whether you are not. But it's really, really good to have a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ, being Holy Spirit led. It's really, really good having a church family of people that will love you, care for you, be there for you and encourage you. Can I get a witness? Say amen. amen. Let's give God praise. That's good, church. So Barnabas and Paul told about how God made no distinction between them and the Gentiles about the miracles and Gentiles being saved through the undeserved grace of God, through his son, Jesus Christ. Look at verses 13 through 15 in Acts 15. It says, when they were finished, James, James was Jesus' stepbrother. He didn't believe that Jesus was son of God until after Jesus was resurrected from the tomb. He grew up with Jesus, okay? 
Joseph and Mary was James's parents. It says, James stood up and said, brothers, listen to me. Peter's told you about the time that God first visited the Gentiles to take from them a people for himself. And this conversion of the Gentiles is exactly what prophets predicted as it is written. And then what did James do? He went on and quoted a couple of verses in the Old Testament from the book of Amos in chapter 9. Then look at verse 19. It says, and so my judgment is that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. So after this resolve came... They said, we can't make it difficult for them. We don't need to give them legalistic rules. We don't need to give them traditions. We don't need to give them these things that the Pharisees are trying to give them. We don't need to make it difficult. So let's go back to the guy that's on the couch, okay? Now, we've been called to not make it difficult for a guy like that was on the couch here to be able to come and know God. But how do we do this? we got to create a church where somebody like this guy and anyone else will want to connect with God and connect with us. You know what this guy here, as an example, he may have no interest in the church. He may have already said no to the church. He may have already said no to Jesus. So he goes back to the question, what do we want to be known for? We are for Sumner. We're for this great county that we're in. There's a lot of people that come outside the county. Down in Davidson, people, there's people come from Kentucky. There's people come from all around. Praise God for that, and we're glad to do. I've always heard a church of lives worth a drive. Can I get a witness, church, right? Church of lives worth a drive. So, with that being said, <coughs> excuse me, Sumner County from 2010 was about 160,000 people. Today, it's 200,000 plus. Look at the growth. Gallatin proper as a city was about 30,000 people in 2010. Now it's 50,000 people. So our job is to understand that we as a church, let's say hypothetically that every person just in the city of Gallatin alone came to church this next Sunday to every church just in the city. You'd have 40 plus thousand people outside standing because they couldn't get a seat. So nobody, no church and no leader and no pastor and flock is knocking it out of the park to reach people for Jesus Christ. Can I get a witness? Am I right? We got a lot of work to do, church. We got a lot of work to do, so if you'll stay with me, we're going to do our part in our corner of the field as God has called us, and that we want people to know we're not only just for Sumner and the people that don't know Christ, we are for the schools, the businesses, the adults, the students, the children. We are for people, and the reason we're for people is because God is for the people. You follow me? Say yes. So we're launching this and understanding that we're four people. So there's, there's three things that, that we can do that this guy hypothetically on the couch and anyone else that's on our couch can do. We want to be able to create common ground with people. You say, what do you mean? See, for many people who don't go to church, they think they don't have anything in common with people that go to church. Are you with me? They don't think they have anything in common. And as a result, this misperception is really, really sad because they think they don't share anything. And that could be that's so far from the truth. We've always served our county. We've always served our community as a church since our birth in 2002. And, and out, getting outside the walls and being able to create common ground with people. It's been so important to us. Even right now, if you go to our website right now, go to our website, check out Outreach 2022, what we're doing in Outreach. Heather Lane has created a whole thing all the way down through there that you can be a part of. And when we talk about these outreach events, I want to challenge you to be part of it. Because if you're not part of it, not willing to roll up your sleeves, we can become selfish Christians. We can be selfish based on our needs and our desires and our wants and the things that we want to do when there's other people out there that we could create this kind of common ground with them. We might get their eyes on Jesus. Wouldn't that be wonderful to get their eyes on Jesus, the maker and the lover of their soul that ordered their steps before they were ever born so they could find Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? Wouldn't that be wonderful? Praise God. Can't do it alone. We need each other. How many of you want our community to be great? Raise your hand. 
Man, that's the same thing when you get out there talking to people. Our community is, is what we all have in common. And, what we, and we can create this commonality with people if we will go tell them and say, you know what, you, want, you know where we live out here. Do you want our place to, do you want our community to be great? They're going to say, yes, I do, and say, we do too. Do you want our schools to be great? They're going to say, yes, we do too. Do you want our businesses to be able to thrive? They're going to say, yes, we do too. Do you want this to be a great place for you to raise your kids? They're going to say yes and say, we do too. We want to have great schools. We want to have clean parks. We want to be able to serve people. And you know what? All we got to do is get out there and do something. And we can connect with people like this and be able to find the common ground. For far too long, the church has had either conflicting relationships with people who don't go to church or absolutely non-existent relationships with people who don't go to church. So we not only want to create common ground, but we want to be able to create conversations. You say, what do you mean conversations? We want to be able to make this understand that there's things that we can get out there and have conversations with people. I don't know, but when you leave today, you're going to receive, you're, you're going to get sick of this, probably me get, getting you to take these invite cards. These invite cards are so important. They're not to be taken home and just lay on the counter and say, and take up space or take the rubber band off of it and shoot your husband upside the head when he's not listening to you, ladies. Think about this. You know how you can create conversation and get eyes on the, the, the church is the hope of the world through Jesus Christ. So I challenge you to be creative. When you take these cards today, how many of you pull through a coffee shop at least once a week, if not 25 times, to get you a coffee? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. People all over. Yeah, yeah. Hi. How about the next time you pull through, say, let me get the order behind you. Give them this card. They're going to look at it and say, wow, that's cool. Shows you were for them, Right? Or if you get somebody's meal. Or if you go to Aldi and fill every quarter and every cart up. How many shop at Aldi? It's cool. You just pay a quarter and you get cheap stuff for a cart. Put a quarter in every one of the carts. Stick a card in every cart. Be creative with what you're going to do. But man, you're talking about create conversations when they take the card home and say, you're not going to believe this. But this happened today. Man, that is a golden opportunity that we create conversations about God's church. That is a wonderful opportunity. It's no small thing. And they'll begin to tell people about the meal or they'll begin to tell people about what you did with a quarter at Aldi's or, or whatever you creatively do. This is how you create conversations. And this is how you create common ground with people. And then comes the God part. You say, what do you mean? God begins to take the common ground. God begins to take the, those created conversations, and he begins to do something with it. It creates connections. See, God can take a moment of a conversation and do something with it, and he begins to shrink the gap between God's church and those people and between those that don't know him and those that have the opportunity to, it begins to shrink the gap. So what I'm asking you to do, to do today is to be able to create the common ground. I'm asking you to get busy. Roll up your sleeves with us. If you're just going to sit here and open the doors and hope your friend's going to walk through, it's a good chance they probably, you, you know, just doing it by yourself. But you need to go out there and invite your friend. You need to go out there and love on your friend. And we'll talk more about that in just a moment. But you need to pray for God to do something for those connections. Because far too long the church has been known for what we're against. We should be known for what we're for. And that's what Acts 15 was all about. So what do we do? Here's the opportunity. The opportunity is to invest. You say, what do you mean invest, Pastor? You want to plant seeds of hope. How many of you here pray? Just raise your hand and say, I pray through the week. Doesn't mean you're praying out loud, but you say, I pray. I, I bow my head and pray for you. I'd mean, say everybody here does. When's the last time you asked somebody you know in your circle of life, how can I pray for you? It's quiet, isn't it? Because we're so busy and we think, oh, pastor, I've, I've, I've never really prayed out loud. I'm not asking you to pray out loud. When's the last time that you saw somebody in your circle of life that was broken and you just said, how can I pray for you? How can I pray for you? Now, let me say this. If you leave this auditorium and you go out there and somebody looked at your life and they questioned whether you're a Christian because you're not living as a Christian, don't do it. You pray for yourself till you get in line before you cast your prayers to somebody else. Are you with me? Get your life right first. Look at what it says here in James chapter 5. It's very important we're thinking about prayer here. 
that you pray for somebody to God to melt their heart. Ask them, how can I pray for you? Or you pray for those people that you work with or that neighbor or that friend or that family member. It says here in James chapter 5, here, and this is what I want to challenge you about being bold, about asking someone, can I pray for you? Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. That's very important. When it comes to your sin life, you have an accountability partner. Tell them what you're going through, someone you can trust. And yes, pray one for another so you can be healed. It says here, the second part is what I want to go to from here on and what I want to focus on. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and it produces wonderful results. It says Elijah was as human as we are. And yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. We're talking about prayer power here. Prayer power. When you look at here and it says that, that Elijah here had done this, he was as human as we are. But he'd done an amazing work when he, brought, when he brought down fire from heaven and consumed the prophets of Baal. And you can read that story. But he was as human as we are. And when you look at the word here, earnestly, that he prayed earnestly. The word earnestly in the Greek means he prayed in prayer. So when I'm telling you about praying in prayer, many people do not pray in their prayers. They will end up saying lazily religious words, but they're really not putting their heart into it. I'm asking you to put your heart into it. The late author and Christian evangelist Leonard Ravenhill said this of the importance of prayer. He said the early church was married to poverty, prisons, and persecutions. Today the church is married to prosperity, personality, and popularity. No man is greater than his prayer life. The pastor who is not praying is playing. The people who are not praying are straying. The pulpit can be a show window, a shop window to display one's talents. The prayer closet allows no showing off. <clears throat> I want to ask you to pray this dangerous prayer. God, use me. God, help me be bold when I may be shy or I may be introverted. God, use me. Go before me. Pray for those who need Jesus. I'm telling you, it will make all the difference in the world. Jesus doesn't want the church to be an exclusive club. He wants everyone to know him. He wants everyone to be able to follow him. And it's vital that we become fully engaged in prayer and in the church and that we are able to invest and go out there and invest in those unchurched people, those de-churched people in our lives. And this is about caring for people so much for other people that you would go where they are before asking them to come where you're convinced they need to be. It means generally, I want to show you how much I care about you and that I love you. And you get to know what's happening in their lives. And when the time is right, that's when you invite them. You invite them. And I want to say thank you for those of you that are inviters. But please, I want us to take it and ratchet it to the next step that we know that we can invite people. There's a lot of people who are going to make excuses but yet you're asking the Lord to go before you and you're praying for them and you're, you're saying, God, do a mighty work. They come up with 10 excuses of why people don't go to church. You want to hear them? I'm going to tell them to you. Here's the, it's, it's excuses not to attend church. We were out of peanut butter. Second one says, both my girlfriends attend church there. My kids take naps during that time. How about this one? Gas prices are too high, and I can almost relate to that, right? My wife cooked bacon for breakfast, and our entire family smelled like bacon. The pastor stays in the Bible too much. That's weird. We got burned out at the last church, and so we've been taking a break for the past seven years. I always get hemorrhoids on Sundays. Someone called me brother instead of using my name. And number 10, I was constipated. <laughs> Listen to me. Stats reveal that most people in the United States of America don't attend church out of the blue any longer. They just don't do it. Most new people in any church, someone invited them. There's a book that Dr. Tom Rainer wrote. It's called The Unchurched Next Door. And this is what he found out through their studies. 82% of unchurched are unlikely to attend church if they were invited. 
82%. Only 2% of church members are actually inviting unchurched people to be able to come to church. That means 98% of people in churches are not inviting anybody. Seven out of 10 people unchurched that are unchurched have never been invited to church in their whole life. Some of you think, but pastor, I've invited everybody I know to go to church. <laughs> and if, what if I invite those that, and I get on their nerves, and, and if they say no, here's what I'll tell you I told a person this week when I invited them. You know what I told them? I looked them dead in the eye, and I said, if you'll come, I promise I'll never invite you again if you'll just come one time. You say, wow, you mean, no, because they came, and we're going to share the gospel here. Who else is it on your radar that you need to invite and say the same thing to? And you know what? I have found that when people, we don't hound them, but we promise them if they come, we won't bother them. Man, they're more likely to come. They do it all the time. I see it happen. It's worked well for me, and it would work well for you. That's just something that I do. You do as God leads you to. But there's power in an invitation. You've got to listen to conversations of people you're around when you go out. You've got to be kingdom-minded. And if, and if they say they're not in church, if you hear that not in church, you just perked up your ear that you've got an invite card to say, you know what? Um, you know, I, 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 you've got my attention. Or they say, things aren't going well. If you hear somebody saying things aren't going well, you begin to listen because you love them and you care for them. They might say, I, I lost my job. My business went under because of COVID. Or maybe they say, I wasn't prepared for my doctor to tell me I have cancer. When you hear those kind of things, you say, really, why don't you come to my church? Why don't you come to my church? And you come with them and you take them to lunch or whatever and love on them. Just imagine you're being the hands and the feet of Jesus. That's all we're talking about, just being the hands and feet of Jesus and being like Jesus and not being like our selfish selves because we can all be selfish. FC as a church is not the best church. And Freedom Church is not the biggest church. But I promise you this, it's a church where you will be loved and you're not going to be judged how many of you felt the love of Jesus when you came into this church right here and you felt the love of people as you come in? Praise His holy name. We want to be real with you. We want to be relational to you. We want to be relevant about the fact that we all have hard days. We all have bad moments. We all get huge problems. It all hits us. It all is. So in closing, here's a question every church should consider. If our church went out of business, would the community even notice? See, when a church is for the community, for the people, and deeply desires to introduce them to the love of Jesus then they become a community partner, we do, in a very beautiful way. So I asked you, will you help me? Will you help me? Because I want to see the love of Jesus in every person's heart so they know that God has a wonderful plan and purpose for their life. And he wants to bless them beyond their wildest dreams. If you'll help me show Sumner County and beyond that we are for them because Jesus is for them. And this week, praise God. Thank you. Thank you. Praise God. Will you go out and at least invest in one person and invite one person? And say, just one. I'm asking you to just do one. Whatever God leads you to do, I'm asking you, please do it. We got to do everything we can do to shun a place called hell and make everybody know that God is for them and heaven is for them. Are you with me? You follow what I'm saying, church? Are you with me? Let's give God praise. Say, this is what we're going to do, church. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 9 and 10, the message, I love what it says. But you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him to tell others of the night and day difference he's made for you from something to nothing from rejected to accepted 
this isn't a new message that I'm talking about here. But it's the message of the church since the book of Acts. And it's been the message of Freedom Church since our birth. And I don't want to get comfortable. As long as there's a breath in my body, I want to see every person come to the loving knowledge of Jesus Christ as their Savior. I want that for you. I want that for your friends. I want that for your family. I want that for the people you work with. I want that for your neighbors. God's for them. And I promise you, if we start showing in action that we're for them, God will take and do something mighty. Mighty with it. We're not, we're not just rallying. We're rallying around the fact that this is our why. That Sumner County is our field and beyond in who we're for. And my role is to help us stay on the why. And our why is Jesus. And that's what we do. Once again, Acts chapter 15 and verse 19 says, And so my judgment is what we should not, my judgment is that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Would you stand with me as we pray? Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I thank you for this amazing day. I thank you, God, for every person under the sound of my voice. I thank you, God, for every person that's here in person. I thank you for every person that is online right now, God. God, I pray, Lord, that we'll get by behind the wife of what we do as a church family, God. That we show everyone around us that we are for them, God. That we create the common ground, God. We create those conversations, God. And we pray, God, that we see those connections taking place and you doing a mighty work. So God, use us to be able to invest in people and invite people. I want to ask you as you continue to pray, we're going to sing this beautiful song again, how we can trust in Jesus. But I want to ask you to come and pray. Maybe you're hurting and you want to come and pray. Or maybe you want to come and pray for boldness. Or maybe you want to come and pray for somebody that you're broken for and asking God to go before you and help you as you begin to show them that you're for them and that God's church is for them and ultimately God is for them. Come and pray as we sing. It's a wonderful time. Don't wait. Just come right on and pray. receive Jesus as the Lord of your life. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad that you're online with us today. 
The gospel of Jesus is that Jesus left the very throne with his father to do the will of his father. He came to earth and was born of a virgin Mary through the power of the Holy Spirit. And he walked here among men. And at the age of 30 to begin his ministry, he was tempted in all the ways we are tempted, yet he never sinned. And he went and died on a cross that his own father grew the tree out of the ground and died for my sins and yours. They put him in a borrowed tomb. And on the third day, he come out of the tomb. And the same power that brought Jesus back to life is the same power you can have in your life if you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. So if, if you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, just lift your hand real high right now as everyone's praying. Just lift your hand real high and say, I need to receive Jesus as Lord today. Just lift it real high. Don't be ashamed. If you're ashamed of him here, he'll be ashamed of you in front of his Father in heaven. Would you pray right now to him and just say, Heavenly Father, I need you in my heart. I asked you to save my soul. I asked you to forgive me of my sins. I believe you lived for me, died for me, and arose for me. My life is yours from this day forward. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that and you meant that, and the power and peace of Almighty God is in your soul, you've been born again. Thank you, Father, for what you've done in our midst. Thank you for letting us know through your word of who we're for. Because you're for each one of us and those in the world that need you. Use us for your glory. And we pray this today in the name of Jesus and all of God's people say, amen. Let's give him praise today, church. All right. Thank you guys so much for your attentiveness and being here today. We're going to go into a time of giving, and um, I want to say that um, um, and say thank you for your faithful giving. And and once again, this is the last week leading up to the GGO as you do your part there. But as you give and tithes and offerings, there's multiple ways to do it electronically. If you haven't downloaded our app, be sure to go to the app store. They'll tell you more about that. If you want to know about the app, just ask one of our staff people, the info desk. It's a great way to give. Multiple ways to do it electronically, even out in the foyer. Or you can simply do it uh, there as you leave with the buckets with our ushers at the end, but at the, at the, out at the edge of the doors there as you vacate the auditorium. Uh, but I'm going to pray over the offering in just a moment. If you gave your life to Christ or you're brand new here today, I want to ask you if you would to fill out a card in the back of the seat. For those of you that are brand new, take it out there and give it to them at the info desk. And they're going to give you a gift to say thank you for coming today. If you gave your life to Christ, let us know that. Mark the card. We'll follow up with you. You can drop it in the offering. We'd appreciate it very, very much. I'm going to pray over the offering. And then after I do, I have one thing to tell you. And uh, that'll be it. But one other thing, please, as I mentioned in the message, we are looking for group leaders to be able to sign up to do groups. And it's a very easy thing to do. We'll be able to help you and coach you through that. If you'd like to sign up for a group, just take a card out of the back of the seat. Fill it out. Say, I'd like to have information about leading a group. Drop it in the offering. We'd appreciate it very much as you leave. I'm going to pray and then I'll tell you one thing before you vacate. Father, we love you. Thank you for what you're doing in our midst. I pray, God, you go before us that we will be kingdom missionaries in our local communities. God, with our family, our friends, our co-workers, our neighborhood, our people that's in our lives, God, and people that's not. May we pay it forward and pay it backwards to get the attention on you, God. Thank you for the opportunity to give back to you. The resources we have is yours. You just ask for those tithes and offerings. We give back to you in that and our greatest gift offering. And may we be found faithful to continue reaching this world to know God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, tonight, worship night, 6 p.m. Hope you will be here. We'll have a great, great time. Other than that, don't come alone next week. Come back for part two of four.